With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. My name is Max Brecky, alongside with me today, Harrison Starr and Benjamin Ross. Fellas, how you doing? <laughs> doing great. Every time. <laughs> this, this is going to be the, we're going to, this is going to be it now. Okay. From, hey. Hello. It's a good shtick. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving forward, we're just going to have the shittiest intro of all time. Good start to the podcast this week, guys. Um, and you know what, maybe that this podcast start this week just kind of mirrors the way that Iowa played against Penn State this past weekend. Perfect segue, perfect segue. Good job, Max. Um, let's just, let's just get into it. Uh, Iowa lost, they lost by six points. Um, and it's a game that they easily should have won, in my opinion. Uh, A lot of missed opportunities, but let's, we got to start somewhere. Let's start with the defense because uh, there were positives on that side of the ball, I suppose. Um, I mean, the thing with it is that, (sighs) I'm I'm just getting angry about it all over again. Thinking, What is, what is the thing with it? I want to hear. I mean, when. The thing is that, you know, the biggest play I think that they had that shifted momentum to them was right out of the gates in the second half when Trace McSorley was all of a sudden shot up like a racehorse on painkillers and, mm. you know, ran for 55 yards and a touchdown. And I don't think Iowa was expecting him to come out able to do that. And after that, you know, I think it kind of messed with, you know, the momentum of the game and, you know, kind of ruined that for Iowa and things kind of disintegrated from there. But they had a great first half performance and then second half they were fine you know i wouldn't say that they were bad in the second half you know just it's it was mostly on the offense yeah about the defense i thought you know iowa's offense granted penn state's offense 10 points we'll get to it later of course but um you know if if you're giving away 10 points when you're a team like Iowa that isn't always going to score 30 or 40 points. It's about a 50% chance that they do, which is fine, but they bust so much that you just can't give away 10 points. And um, I thought the defense did just fine. They did well enough to win. Uh, Geno Stone with the huge pick six was a lot of fun, gave Iowa fans hope. Gave him a little bit of momentum. Uh, is momentum a real thing? I don't know. That's a conversation for a different day. But yeah, uh, I think Phil Parker made one bad call. But I also think 
one, maybe two people thought that Trace McSorley could make that run. Trace McSorley and maybe the offensive coordinator. So I don't think anyone expected it, which is what made it such a great call. Um, And really, you just got to kind of give credit where it's due. Uh, He had one run in him after getting the quarter zone shot in the knee. And uh, I'm assuming because he didn't do anything with his feet the rest of the half or the rest of the game. He had 11 yards on 10 carries. So outside of that one run. So they, they were the better team. But you also look at the stats and it's like these two teams were just like, it was an ugly game. This yeah, this is one of the most misleading box scores I can remember um, seeing all across the board. Like, <clears throat> I mean, I ran for 135 yards. We have that 100 yard stat in our record that we've been talking about every damn podcast. Um, holding McSorley to only 63 yards running and 167 yards on the ground, so under 300 total yards from him is great. I mean, if you would have told me that, that we would hold McSorley to under 300 yards through the year and on the ground combined, I'd say we'd probably win. Uh, Iowa had three sacks, which seems to be the magic number for sacks. Um, What else? Five tackles for a loss, another good number. Uh, The defense was good. Yeah. Like, you know, they – Gave you know they had the short field position, and uh, then and then you get to Nate Stanley's numbers, and that's where you sort of realize, oh, here's what happened: eighteen of forty-nine. I mean, oh, were you doing this already? Oh yeah, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. No, you're good. No, yeah, the defense played fine. You know, in the second half, there was that long kick return after Iowa uh, got that pick six that you know kind of, you know, set yeah. Penn State up right right away to score again. And I think they only got a field goal on that drive. Yeah, they did. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, if Iowa, if they don't, you know, get that drive right there like that, Iowa just needs a field goal to win it, and then they definitely just try to run the ball into the end zone on that final possession, or that, that final one, but that end possession where, you know, it ended in an interception. So, you know, you can't really blame the defense, you know, for how that one went down. There was the... They were put in bad spots, I think, pretty frequently during that game, you know, that they shouldn't have been in. And, you know, you can't really... I, I don't blame them for that, for the most part. They gave up 30 points. That's not, you know, going to win you a ton of ball games when you're Iowa, but they played fine. I don't really have very many complaints about that general game from them. I think the one complaint... I do have is the one drive in the first half that we saw um, Penn State, you know, go kind of the length of the field. That was the one where they rotated in the second defensive line. And I think just at, at this point in the season, I don't know if you still need to rotate, but I think there's a clear number one line and a number two line. And is there a way to mix and match the ones with the twos outside of the um, pass rush uh, formation? I, there's got to be. I think that's really kind of the, the one thing I was overthought of because you rotate your line up until this point so that you can have your number one line go the whole time with the exception of the pass rush formations with Golston and Epinesa. So... <sighs> I think that was maybe the, the one decision outside of the cover zero, but you know he he also wanted to. I don't make know. A play. I think we've seen good enough things out of the twos on the defensive line to not to have confidence in them. Um, I 
I generally agree. Uh, but I feel like whenever you know they do that hockey shift kind of thing, where yeah. they replace the second, where they replace the defensive line completely, I feel like the other team genu- generally not all the time, but I feel as though you know you hear about like oh well they took out their first uh, their first line and you know then the other team just drove down for a touchdown. Like I think Indiana did as well when Maryland did in too. Indiana. Maryland did as mm. well. Yeah. Well, they didn't score obviously, but. Right. You know, like they, you know, made things happen on offense when that second line came in. And I'm not questioning, I'm not questioning their ability. They're all really good. Yes. You know, on most, you know, in most schools, they would be starters, I think. Um, but, you know, it's just kind of something like maybe you can mix and match it with, you know, that first line in order to, you know, try to find that same produ- productivity and not have that kind of drop off. Because there is a drop off. I'm just not sure how much of one there is. Yeah, this yeah, it's not an indictment on the kids. I just think there's a better way that they can mix and match, get the rotation going, but also be as close to 100% as possible. That's really my I hate to call it a complaint because this defense has been really good all year. Um, but I think that's kind of the one tweak that I'd like to see Iowa make is, you know, maybe throw in Rife and Lattimore in there with Hesse and Nelson. So we're just looking for a different defensive line cocktail. Different. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> Let me. Yeah. Let me compare this to alcohol. Um, that's Which, all I got. That's all. That's I got. all I got. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the secondary played. They played well. The uh, the one bad touchdown at the beginning, but yeah, Javas yeah. just missed his assignment. Right, he was out on an island. Well, I think the way Gervas reacted, he was mad at Moss for not carrying through with the receiver coming across the back because Moss was playing his zone, but he wasn't reacting to the running back that was being guarded by the linebacker that took the flat. So that's probably something they'll sort out, but... Like, I'm was, not going to get too mad about that. Yeah, like, I'm not mad about that either. It just, they gave it, that was a one big pass play. Uh, I guess of, they had another Hamler one, but. Out of curiosity, do you guys know, was Gervas on the field for Geno Stone's pick six? What was, or was Geno Stone in for him? I, I well, think it's I, been remember, the I normal they were on the field. Yeah. yeah, I think that they were on the field at the same time, but Iowa ran almost exclusively nickel. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's what I. Uh, yeah, Hooker. So, Hooker was also on the field, but mm-hmm. they had all three of them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was just curious. I don't know. I don't think Javas should be losing his starting job or no. anything. Okay. Wanted to put that to rest before we woke it up. <laughs> yeah, I like Javas. I like I like I was secondary. I like this defense. Like they. Yeah. It it's just the classic Phil Parker defense, and it's. It's you know keep an eye on these games to some some extent. Yeah, no, and the, you know they kept Iowa in this game. You know they, as I said earlier, so that first touchdown drive was ten plays, eighty five yards. Um, the first one of the second quarter was four plays, seventy seven yards. Uh oh, sorry, and the second half. My apologies. The Trace McSorley run that was a seventy seven yard drive, most of which came on that one play that surprised everybody. But the other touchdown they gave up was a three-yard run uh, to Tommy Stevens. 
And, you know, when you put your defense at the three-yard line, backs against the goal line, you know, you're tough-pressed to say or to, you know, get upset that they didn't stop them, you know. It's, Damn, Max, what a segue into the offense. Oh, God, we do, okay, now we'll, let's talk about the offense then. Um, it was not good. It just straight up wasn't good. It was um, the worst. It's... it's <laughs> it, well, okay, let's let's pump the brakes on the worst. Makai Sargent had an excellent game. Big Makai Sargent guy. He's the best. We had it here first, right? <laughs> ben complains about him every week. Oh, whoa, 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 Miss Lippy. I complained about him for the first three weeks, and then I doubled back and said that his blocking and pass-catching ability is enough to get him first-team reps. Yeah, um, but uh, here's here's my issue with this rushing game. Um, and it's not, I guess not much of an issue because IKM uh, was out for the majority of this game. I was going to say, Tristan, Tristan Wirfs was our third leading rusher on the <laughs> afternoon. One run for 15 yards. Not great. He's <laughs> the mean, offensive lineman I want to have the ball, though. I will say <laughs> that. He, he ran through some dude. That was an impressive run. <laughs> I kind of yeah. expected him to go like Mongo and just carry everyone in. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, so, you know, that's that's a downside when you were supposed to have three really good running backs and Worfs came three yards short of being the second leading running back on this team for the game. Not even three really good running backs, like two really good running backs. And, I don't know, I think Torn Young's been misused the whole season. I don't know if it's All injury. All right, talk about it. I, I don't know if it's injury or... Uh, a learning curve or doghouse type of deal, but like he's the sergeant is almost exclusively our red zone back, um, <clears throat> even over IKM, and I feel like that's what Tornion is made out of. I know or made for. Um, he only had seven carries for eighteen yards against uh, Penn State, and he was nowhere to be found when we were in um, red zone or goal line situations. I would have loved to see us hand the ball off to him. Uh, three times in a row uh, instead of forcing a play that ended up in an interception with three minutes left in the game. Um, I would have liked to see Makai Sargent do that. I'd like to see Ivory Kellamar in that. I'd like to see Henry Gale do that. I don't care. Um, I think I was been known for always being a run first team, and these, uh, these are probably the best stable of running backs we've had since Kanzari, Daniels, and Wadley. And uh, they're being, I think, they're being mismanaged or misused because all of a sudden, I don't know, there's a sexiness in having a guy like Nate Stanley who can air it out and Brian's trying to sort of make a name for himself. And uh, we the opportunity to win in classic Ference Ball fashion was there on Saturday, and uh, we the offense seemed averse to it. The play callers on offense um, wanted to be averse to it. That's, they've been averse to it at times, to their credit, this year, where we won games because of it. But clearly, we have those plays in our playbook. They're there for a reason. And why um, Dust was collecting those pages on Saturday is uh, beyond me. Yeah, I'm with you there, uh, especially considering just kind of the way the game was presenting itself. Um, you look at the throw that Stanley missed on the play action pass. To me, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. like, it was a well-called game up until that point. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. a dynamite play call. Like, it is. It's tremendous. But he airmailed him in a way we haven't seen 
at all this season. I I don't know if I've ever seen anybody miss a throw like that. It's like shade, it's shades of like I remember. I just remember like a Wyoming last year missed Noah Fant wide open. That's exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, that's it. So it's, you have to go back to week two or week one from last year. Yeah, and Todd McShay, like love him or hate him, the guy has watched a lot of quarterbacks throw footballs, and he said he couldn't make middle school plays. And, yeah, it was that was a brutal comment, and it was horrible. I it, like you could tell he kind of felt bad saying it because he's like, oh god. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, you have a quarterback out there that's not able to make plays. I still think he's the right guy to go to because he's able to get you in the right play. But he wasn't able to make them. So you have to call plays that he can make. And to me, throwing a 15-yard out route is the worst throw he could make or have the play call be. It just That is the worst play call that even live, I'm like, oh, my God, why are we having him throw? It's like Brian Ferentz just wanted him to just overcome it so much. Like, they're just two different personalities between Ferentz and Nate Stanley that I think there's a little bit of a disconnect there in terms of how do I get Stanley going? What are the throws that he needs to make? Because he's he was money with those seam throws to Hawkinson. And, like, why, why aren't you just trying to dial it up that way? Um, I feel like that 10- to 15-yard throw is the one that gets him in rhythm uh, right up the middle. He made just, just enough throws to like keep my confidence in him. Just like he made the bare minimum amount of throws for me to realize, okay, to keep him in. If he would have been one percentile lower, I would have you know been calling for his head or his benching. But he did just enough to make me believe him. And then, you know. Well, and the the you know is like this is the take I had. It was the right play call. It was the right audible. What, what, what's the right play call? The one oh. on the goal line. Like, if it's executed no. well, it's a mesh route. So, Fant's supposed to come across the top, take away that linebacker, and Torin Young has a catch right into the end zone. Mm-mm. But, obviously, that didn't happen. And there's a lot that went wrong that on that play. Brian Ferentz didn't get, it, didn't get the call in in time, so he had to rush it down at the goal line. I don't think he should have thrown it away. The timeout should have been called. Turns out it seems like the timeout maybe was called, but no one heard uh, from the sideline. Uh, But uh, I just feel bad because you can tell, I think it was Lysa Cow posted the video of Nate Stanley after the game. And like this kid is such a perfectionist that when things aren't going right, they just... It feels like the world's crashing down on him, and he's not a CJB type of personality, not a Ricky Stanzi personality where he can just forget all the bad. He has to like almost work through the bad, and I just think that that's something that is a bit of a disconnect right now. Um, but when it's going great, obviously it's going great. Like We've seen what he can do against Minnesota, Indiana, Ohio State back to last year, Iowa State last year. Like, he's got a ton of potential. I just think he's got some mental things that he needs to overcome. And um, 
so when things aren't going right when I was down, I don't know if he's a quarterback that can necessarily forget about all the bad plays he's made in a game and go out there and do it again. But I do think he will benefit from this week, just trying to flush everything out. Yeah. Um... I agree with all of that as long as his thumb isn't broken or his hand isn't broken. Oh, that is a good I, point. And I don't think it is. That I don't, if they're putting him first in the death chart right now, you know, they normally would have had a, a readout. I don't know. I think we nah. talked about how the depth chart has largely been how the game ended. Sure, uh, but. The previous week. You know, if the, with injuries, though, and people who have been injured, they've been immediately replaced in the death chart this season. Uh, yeah. And, you but, know, I think quarterback's also different. Yeah, but, you know, it's if it's your thumb on your throwing hand that's potentially, you know, broken and or, you know, you, like, tore, sprained a ligament in your thumb, you know, I think that they would have had a read on that in order to say, hey, this guy's not going to go or whatever. I mean, I could be wrong, but... I don't want you know. Jeff Brom game-planning to a Nate Stanley or game-planning against Peyton Manziel. Right. Like that's you why have... you put in Petrus. <laughs> <laughs> Got me there. <laughs> Uh, but I'm going to actually, you, you know, you told, you said that take and then, you know, you talked for another 20 minutes and that's your takes going to get uh, completely overshadowed by, you know, the rest of the stuff you said. But I think that that was the absolute worst call for the audible, um, this past week. And I just wanted to t- tell you that even though, you know, I was going, Mm-mm, nope, nope. I wanted to run three times. I already said it. So. Yeah. I mean, here's my thing with it is that. He's been picked off a handful of times this season, you know, throwing kind of like a float, like, you know, trying to float passes, you know, over somebody's head, you know, kind of like a, kind of like the pass that Rast that are connected on in that first, uh, in the first half, you know, he's, you know, been picked off so many times like that this season. And, you know, when it's, when you have the ball inside the five at the three yard line or whatever, I just find it really hard to justify throwing the ball, especially when you've got, you know, such a talented offensive line like Iowa does. Mekhi Sargent was in another world. You have Torrin Young as well. Um, you know, oh, I no. Just... But I think that's a function of who was out there on the field. Like, I think the audible was the right call, poorly executed, of course, but I also think he was not in a position where he could do something better i i agree that is not the play call i want run there i want to get to second down at like the two yard line so then you can run austin kelly up the gut so i'm just saying that with what was presented to stanley on the field that was the right play i still but, disagree okay that's fine that's fine he should just call the timeout i mean that's really what it that, comes down to yeah that's I mean, re- that's really what it comes down to yeah, you know, somebody should have called the timeout. They, I mean, it looks like they tried. You know, it sounds like they tried. It didn't happen. You know, it just needed to happen because once once he realized, and I, once everybody realized that, you know, that play was doomed from trying to audible, nobody being able to hear what the audible was, you know, Fant being turned around, you know, all sorts of stuff, somebody should have just, you know, clocked that play. Even Stanley, you know, should have just, like, looked, saw that Fant wasn't looking yeah, over falling, there. Yeah, falling over. And just, like, throwing the ball, like, spiked it, you know? <clears throat> or, yeah. like, just rifled it out of bounds Throwing like he's known zone. to do. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> like he done but, the very first play of game of the game. Goddamn. Intentional but, grounding. Yeah. But, you know, like, when 
you know, like you look over there to throw the ball, and you see Fant just standing there, not paying attention, and that's gonna screw up the whole play. You know, that's Ooh. like you just gotta you gotta find something to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the result of the play is indefensible. Like that, that much is without debate. Um, but I think there's just so much that went into it that. I, I hesitate to throw all the blame on him just because they, oh, they had yeah. they had plenty of chances to not lose the game. Let's oh, walk oh, through them. For sure. And I'm not saying that that cost them the game. I'm not even really necessarily blaming him because, you know, there were so many other people that should have realized what was going on. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think anybody on the football field can call a timeout now. I think... Uh, I don't know if it's anyone on the field. I don't know if it's anybody, and especially in the Iowa program, I'm pretty sure they only give the quarterback that kind of green that authority, probably. Yeah. Or the, mm, or, is, the or the center, maybe. Which is fine, you know. Just. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not blaming uh, it on I'm, him. I'm I, making I, myself mad. I love scapegoats. I love blaming people for other shit, but I don't. It's not. This isn't anyone's fault, and I mean, in football, it rarely is. Um. Special people are trying to say it's fans' fault, which is the dumbest fucking thing. Um, <laughs> Yo, so, so if, absurd. If you don't normally read our comment section, don't start right now. We need to start. <laughs> we need to block some guy. Cause... Uh, I'm not talking about like us. I'm just. I'm no, just I know. Saying, I know. There is somebody I'm just else that for people that are listening. <laughs> yeah. If, if you've never read our comment section, don't start with these. Past I think the game threads and game recaps. The 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 recap on our site had the most comments. I think it's sad it's, since we've taken over. 350 and counting. 367 right now. Um, oh, and, I've re- and I've read every single one. Chaz Except, is, I think, 100 of them. Yeah, honestly. Uh, Chaz and to, Houston Hawkeye, well, shout out you guys. Shout out to you really guys. Really keeping the blog alive. You might listen. Uh, we'll send you a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. <laughs> what about that 4th and 10 call? What I want to uh, say, okay, yeah. We can talk about this. Yeah, dumb, dumb, dumb. From the forty, just dumb, dumb, uh, wh- dumb, dumb, dumb. Well, not even. What, what, what were they doing with it? Like, it's not even going for it. Go, fine, they went for it. Sure, but what was that? Here's the thing. No, I don't. Don't justify it. <laughs> I'm not. Iowa, up until that point, had recovered three fumbles, which, taken at a 50% chance, that's like a 12.5% chance that that happens. So, like, they're already playing with house money with all of these balls on the ground. They got two safeties, which is freaking nuts. They con- they converted, well, not, they, that not point, at that not point, point yeah. but they converted that touchdown on a fake field goal. It's like, you know what? We don't know what Trace McSorley is going to look like. We don't know... Like, it felt at the time almost like a Phil Parker flex. Like, hey, whatever happens, we can put it out. But it just seemed like just get to halftime up 17-14. That, that's just kind of where, where my head was at. Like, you've, every break's gone your way, and you've only got this three-point lead. Maybe, maybe you just don't got it. Why get cute? I, I don't hate going for it, you know. Going for it at your own 40-yard line is never going to upset me. Um, I hate the play call. With even, the when it's for, oh, even when it's for 10 whole yards and a goddamn rainstorm? Yeah. That's, that's, it was amazing <clears throat> at that point. Like, I, I would have been fine with it, you know. But 
my other thing with to slightly go back to the handling of Stanley, it's really frustrating to see, you know, Stanley, I don't know if he broke his thumb or strained a ligament, but he un- unquestionably hurt his hand. His hand sure. was not 100%. It was just frustrating. We were all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> it was just frustrating to see Penn State's quarterback got hurt and they had no problem putting their backup in for a handful of series until they pumped their guy up full full of happy pills. Um, you know, we've seen good things out of Mansell. We've seen something out of Petrus this year. Um, he did throw the ball to the end zone that one time, never forget. Right. And, yeah, Mansell had a dumb little fake punt. That's not his fault. Um, but I don't think anybody would have been mad to see Mansell go in for a series or two just to, I mean, give Stanley a breather. Yeah, after um, after he hit his hand on the helmet, and he obviously couldn't complete throws for the right. rest of that drive. I think that you know you you could justify him sitting for a series, and I know that you know you're good, people are gonna say that Stanley's earned the right to be the quarterback and to be the starter and to play. You know, if he thinks that he's healthy and he thinks that he's able to play, but yeah, I think that at that point when you know you just saw his next three throws go straight into the ground, essentially like you know, well short of their intended targets. I don't think anybody would have been upset, you know, to see Mansell in there for even a series, see what he could do. If he throws an interception, all right, he throws an interception. Stanley's getting taped up on the sideline. He's good to go. But if I recall, the series after those three throws was actually it his was best the, series of the game because sure he took them right down yep. the floor. Without so, like, questions. I think that's... Part of the psychology of Stanley is just, like, he wasn't able to overthink. He wasn't able to overthrow. He was just, here's where I have to go with the football. And he did. Like, I I, I think it almost kind of, that injury almost kind of broke down the mental wall a little bit of just, hey, all I have to do is throw. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of how I viewed it. Because he seemed just to have a little more confidence. But... I don't know. It just, like, I, the two losses I was had have been to the two best teams on their schedule. Well, two of the best three, depending on how we feel about the Cyclones. They they suck. Fuck Iowa State. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, sorry. <laughs> it just like it just kind of stinks because they were right there for it, and you know they had two opportunities and they were over two. You know, can can they run the table? Because I know, like when I was doing the math in my head of Iowa getting to ten and two, I had them probably six and two at this point in the season. So it's like, well, they can still run the table, but you know, Purdue looks dangerous. Northwestern's leading the freaking division. Yeah, let's talk. Nebraska's about looking hot. So like, it's 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 a it's weird. Nebraska's right now. looking hot. Northwestern's leading the division. I'm gonna go take a bath with a toaster. <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah, all right, so, uh, <laughs> all right, well, I'll see you later, bud. Um, and but, yeah. Northwestern, to their point, they've played the best against any team that's played Wisconsin. How crazy is that? My God. They, Clayton Thorson was sex on a stick against, he played great. He was so good against Wisconsin. Ugh, I hate it. <laughs> to be fair, Stanley wasn't really bad against Wisconsin this year. Um, hmm. Yeah, so anyways, we you know we're bringing it to the Big Ten, I guess now. Nothing notable really happened um in the Big Ten other than Northwestern beating Wisconsin and uh 
Bethune Cookman doing nothing. Yeah. Nebraska beating Bethune Cookman. I, I didn't see Michigan that one coming. Sta- Michigan State was semi predictable. I mean, yeah, the post Ohio State letdowns. Welcome to the club. Uh, yeah, uh, like I remember when I called Purdue our Eskimo brother. It's even more true now. Yeah. Oh my God. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, somebody said in our comment section last week. Thank you. Now I know what an Eskimo brother is. Yeah, man. I don't. You, we went to college at very different times. Um, <laughs> that's how you can tell. Yeah. God. Um, but yeah, other than that, nothing, nothing notable really happened in the Big Ten this week. Ohio State rose in the rankings by a few spots, even though they didn't play. Um, I think Michigan stayed right. They it, didn't. They moved. Illinois is still bad, and their fans are having. Their fans are at war with each other over Lovey Smith. Um, Minnesota beat Indiana on Friday night. Friday night, Big Ten. Yeah, Minnesota action. got a new quarterback. That's what happens. Oh yeah, eh? you betcha. You betcha. Don't uh, you know? <laughs> and that includes our concludes our Minnesota talk. Um, yeah, nothing. The, I don't care at all about the Big Ten. Nothing happened. You know. Did Michigan even play this week? No, they were on a bye. That's what I thought. I was looking at that and I could not remember the life of me. Yeah, I mean, so I guess as things stand right now, where do we see Iowa finish? Do we think Iowa can run the table and win this uh, division? Or are we out on Iowa's Big Ten championship? We need Wisconsin to lose one more time. No, I don't know. Well, I think that um, if Northwestern, Iowa, and Wisconsin, well, I guess if Iowa beat Northwestern and then everybody else just kind of won out across the board, Iowa would have the tiebreaker. Okay, yeah, fine, sure, we'll take it. I, I think that's what I read. It's. Um, I don't. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. It feels like the Big Ten uh, West Division champion is going to have two losses. That's yeah. just kind of what it feels like. I don't know if it's Northwestern, Iowa, or I guess Purdue technically could. Or no, they have a third, right? Because they lost someone else. So Wisconsin, I guess those are the, the three. But, like, Northwestern's only got three more games in the Big Ten. They have Iowa, and then they have Minnesota Illinois and Illinois. Like our, we're looking at an 8-1 Northwestern team if Iowa can't do their job in a couple weeks. <sighs> I, I'm serious. Yeah. And if I, if somebody does the job against Northwestern, we could have we can have an eight and four Big Ten champion or Big Ten West champion. Give it to me. I Even if it. it's Northwestern, <laughs> I don't care about anything. I mean, I'd rather have Northwestern than anybody else. Fine. Even I guess, Iowa. Oh, I mean, not counting Iowa because Northwestern I, I get, doesn't exist as far as I'm concerned. I think kind of the, the macro thing about the Big Ten West right now, though, is it kind of feels like going forward, it's probably one year is Wisconsin, maybe a second year is Wisconsin, a third year is Iowa, and then a fourth is just a complete crapshoot. And it feels like we're living that complete crapshoot year right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't... If you told me right now that Northwestern would be first in the Big Ten um, and that Iowa and Wisconsin would both be t- tied with Purdue for a second, I, I would have laughed. Yeah, I'd tell you to fuck off. 
Like, ugh, I don't like it. I would have really? gone to bet on Northwestern to win the West. I, I regret. I, I should have looked at that because, uh, like, you just kind of looked at their schedule. If they beat Wisconsin, oh my God, they're five and one. They only have three more games left. Two of them are against cellar dwellers. Ugh. Mm-hmm. My God. Like I said, like I've said a thousand times today. And they beat Wisconsin uh, by two scores, which is more than they beat Rutgers by. God, oh yeah. That's Congratulations crazy. to Rutgers for being a better team than Wisconsin. How good of a coach is Pat Fitzgerald? All he does is win one-score football games, and apparently this week a two-score football game. Pat Fitzgerald's a really good coach. He's got Northwestern. I mean, generally, more often than not, they're a good football team. Um, even if the record doesn't show it, because they do have their really weird, really weird, do weird down, weird down year three or nine and four. You know, they're they're a good program now. As much as I hate to say it, you know, with the big with their new facility and with the way that the conference kind of is, with they're at least the major player in the Big Ten West year in and year out. Like, you know, you could make the case for Iowa, Wisconsin, or Northwestern every single year. Um, which is more than you could say about Nebraska. Yeah, but that's not saying much. <laughs> that's a fair point. But they've got three 10-win seasons in the last six years. I looked that up. That blew my mind. Yeah. Fuck, that's nuts. God damn it. Everything sucks. I, the other two are like five and seven seasons, but it's like it's wild. Like I'm like, huh, how good is Northwestern? So like, you just it's like, wow, Pat. Uh, you did it. Good for you, man. I'd honestly, I'd honestly put... And he's toned it down, so I don't mind him as much. Like, <laughs> Except for what he said, him. that RPOs are communist. Mm-hmm. Is uh, he wrong, though? No, I mean... I mean, I'll as, stand as, he wrong. as an Iowa fan, I don't think he's wrong. I'll stand against that red scourge. <laughs> but uh, uh, I honestly think that he might be the best coach in the Big Ten. You know, I... I think I... Up there with Ferentz, and I mean, I'm raising I'm raising my hand in our weird podcast, and what's that do? Does it alert you? It just says hey, and I don't even see an alert on it. Oh yeah, I do see an okay. alert, but I'm not looking at the screen. So. <laughs> I'm ignore I'm ignoring your <laughs> disagreement. Would you like to talk? Like to talk? The, floor uh, the floor is yours. I mean, I think Urban Meyer is unquestionably a better coach, even though really? fuck him. I, is he? I think. Jim Harbaugh has a pedigree. Yeah, Urban Meyer has won national championships. Pat Fitzgerald's what is, made uh, Northwestern win Northwestern. 10 games in three seasons in six years. But he's been there for how many years? 12? Forever. Yeah. Uh, Urban Meyer has won cha- national championships in two different, school, two different schools. I know they're it's hardly difficult to blue, do at Florida and Ohio, blue, State. Blue, Ohio State. Blue bloodiest of the programs, but... And he had Tim Tebow, I mean, who's a messenger from God. Um, I mean, okay, let's talk about Purdue now. <laughs> Brian Brom could be a better coach. Brian Brom will probably be coaching Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom. The, the, the older brother. Brian's Brian, the younger brother. Brian's, the, what is he, quarterback's coach, offensive coordinator? Yeah, I think they have like three co offensive coordinators. It's yeah. crazy over there. Now but, that's communism. They'll probably be, I mean, they'll probably be coaching elsewhere. Uh, if not after, uh, after this year, after the, yeah, maybe. Well, uh, I don't think they'll take Papa John's money to buy out 
Petrino. So I actually think it's the NFL or bust for Jeff Brown right now. That's my that's my take. That's a hot take. Uh, I think I don't know. I'd have to look and see what coaching vacancies will be available after this Matt year. Matt Campbell's got OSU on the. I mean, yeah, Iowa State will be open. Um, who else sucks? <laughs> Auburn. Auburn might be open. Uh, Auburn will definitely be open. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't want to say Brian Bra- Jeff Brown. If Alabama doesn't win the national yeah. championship this year, do they fire Nick Saban? They'll be open. Yeah. yeah, they'll probably fire Kirby Smart if he doesn't win. Uh, Miami will probably be know. open. That job's open every like two or three years. No, uh, Mark Rick bought himself some time. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Purdue man, uh, Rondell Moore. What did he do against uh, Michigan State? Anything? Uh, I don't know if he did anything, but he's the, probably the most frightening player in the Big Ten by far. He still had eleven. He still had eleven catches for seventy-four yards. Um, Bad week. DJ not. Yeah, DJ not. They didn't try to run the ball at all. They had thirteen total rushes, only seven attempts from DJ Knox. Uh, and would was Brian Lewerke hurt, or did they just start Rocky Lombardi? I think he's no. Lewerke was hurt. Uh, I mean, Lombardi put up decent stats: twenty six to forty six, three hundred and eighteen, two touchdowns. Certainly, no reason to believe Nate Stanley can't replicate those numbers. Well, he at almost home. did against Penn State. So, well, at 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 Purdue, I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, I don't know anything about Purdue's defense, but um, okay, I do know um, that I I know who just the person to ask. Hello, resident Purdue fan. Yes. Oh, hello. Is he resident Purdue? Hello, fan? Boiler Hawk. <laughs> what is up? Um, Strong. What is what uh, is your gut feeling no. on this game as somebody who I, I'm assuming you watch a little bit more uh, Purdue football than the rest of us. Yeah, so um, I think the very first time I set eyes on Rendell Moore, not only was I in love, but also I was horrified at the prospect of Iowa having to defend him because he honestly scares me. This is an exaggeration, but when I thought of him, I thought this is freaking Saquon Barkley again. Better. And what's, what's scarier is he's not in the backfield, so you don't always have, like, the 11 pairs of eyes on him. Uh, so I think Phil Parker is really going to have his work cut out for him there. Um, but uh, that's concerning. Um, Purdue, uh, from an offensive perspective, I think what they're going to try and do to Iowa is spread them out and run up the middle um, with DJ Knox, like you mentioned. Um They want to be a little more balanced than they were against Michigan State, uh, but Michigan State does have a pretty stout uh, rush defense. Um, And then on the defensive side, the analytics don't really like them. I'm pretty sure they they allow quite a few yards per play. Um, But they're attacking, and they're smart. Nick Holt is um, going to have a game plan. I think really kind of what we learned from Penn State is just clog up the middle, um, you know, if you can jam Fant at the line, because I think that had something to do with uh, kind of the lack of usage yeah. until the fourth quarter against Penn State. Well, what, if you can, really quickly, didn't, didn't uh, I forget which announcer said it, somebody said that their 5-9 like nine defensive back was jamming Noah Fant on the line, which is uh, concerning to say the least. I just thought that was an interesting thing for them to say. I didn't, I mean, obviously notice it. 
Um, I wasn't paying attention to it at that point. And then after that, Noah fan showed up. But, yeah, that's that's not good. But anyways, continue. Yeah, that wasn't a good look. No, not, I think they tried look. to do too much out of the slot with Fan. Yeah. I I really do think the way to utilize him is in line and trick him with Hawkinson. Yeah. Like I think that's the way to do it. And and really, what's been concerning is like we we all saw the Ohio State tape, and like that's kind of what we expected week to week. Um, you know, hey, Brian has these two great tight ends. He's he found a way to do it against Ohio State, just feed him the ball. Um, and and we, we've seen it quite a bit, but I think that he also gets maybe a little too cute with it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think there's – they're going to be tough. Um, they're just uh, a solid team, and they play Big Ten football. They're going to tackle. They're going to hit. Their line's pretty strong across the defensive line uh, with Lorenzo Neal uh, as kind of their main guy. And – Anyone chalking this up for a win hasn't been to West Lafayette. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> anyone who's chalking this up as a win is um, getting ahead of themselves just because, like, you know, they're they're smart um, a- as much as anything. And I think we saw Jeff Brom exploit Iowa's cornerbacks last year. I think he's going to see Riley Moss, who has had a good two and a half games, I think it's been now, maybe three and a half, three and a half, um, but I think uh, Jeff Brom is going to maybe put a target on his back a little bit just to see if he can hang with uh, his receivers. As he should. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, you know, we've talked about how um, Riley Moss looks like he's out of position, but it's really just the way that I – I think that's just the way that I was teaching him how to play, in particular him how to play defense, you know, with that trail technique. But I, you know, I know that Riley Moss supposedly has, you know – track speed and he's one of the better athletes that Iowa has at that position but you know I the prospect of him going up against Rondale Moore and Isaac Zico and whoever is incredibly worrisome to me just him and him and Brent's I think that they're both they've both been fine you know they haven't really been beaten except for that one Penn State drive uh early in Saturday's game but that's it's frightening because Penn State doesn't have those weapons at receiver that have established themselves so far, and Penn St- or Purdue really does, you know. And Blau is probably a better passing quarterback than anybody they've faced all season. Uh, hard agree, I think. But, you know, DJ Moore and everything, um, Rondell Moore, I mean, excuse me, is, uh, I mean, obviously worrisome on its own, but I think Blau might be probably is the most accurate passer, pinpoint accurate passer we'll face all year. And, uh, yeah, he'll use Rondell more in that sense. But I think, um, you know, we to Iowa's credit, we've played. Our wins have come against guys with the names like Kasim Hill and Zach Anikstead. And um, I can't even – Don't forget Peyton you know, Ramsey. Peyton Ramsey and whoever the the dead guy in Iowa State. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, I mean we haven't beaten any quarterbacks, and I think David Blau is going to be a bit of a wake up call. We had a hobble, Trace McSorley, in less than ideal conditions last week, and we lost to him. And we had Horny Brook, who by all considerations is not good, just became a diamond cutter against Iowa. Um, I'm really concerned about Blau going up for three to 400 yards and we could still shut down Rondale Moore and uh, still lose pretty handedly. That's what scares me. Yeah. 
Um, so really taking a quick look at the stats, David Blau is averaging about 300 yards in the uh, air per game. And that's not to include Elijah Sindelar, who also has 300 of his own passing yards. Um, Rondell Moore is averaging 100 yards of receiving per game. DJ Knox is averaging about 90 yards rushing per game, you know, and amongst the others that they have that run the ball. This is as gifted an offensive team as I was going to see all season. And I think that, you know, it's really going to come down to offensive line versus their offensive line versus Iowa's defensive line. You know, that's, you know, it it does every single week pretty much. But, you know, I think that that's really the only, I think that's really the main position or main, you know, battle that will allow Iowa a chance to, you know, shut down this Purdue offense. Yeah, I think the defensive line is going to be really important because I also think, and this is going to sound crazy, I think we see a lot of dime out of Iowa this week. Um, not just with the nickel sliding hooker down, but I think we're going to see a lot of Ojemudia. Um, and, and it'll be curious, you, you mentioned earlier, how, how Iowa tries to stop more. Um, I, I think it's going to be tough just because he, they run him on all these maybe five to ten crossing routes and he gets ahead of steam and he can make jump cuts like really it's been a while since i've seen someone make the cuts that he can make i guess barkley is probably the best version of I mean, it but he's like i mean he makes cuts like akram wadley but he is fast powerful fa- powerful like, that is and the faster thing about him. and bigger I don't think he's bigger. He's definitely more stout. Like, I think more is like 5'8", 170. Um, So, yeah, like, he really is kind of a mini Saquon Barkley. Um, Yeah, more than 5'9", 175. Yeah, so... uh, He just looks bigger than Wildly. He plays bigger than Wildly. Fair. Nice, nice. So, yeah. Yeah, but I think that it's really going to come down to the trenches in this one, particularly on defense for Iowa. On offense, you know, I do think that it, provided that Nate is fully healthy, and I have reason to believe he is if they've still got him at the top of the death chart, um, you know, I think that Iowa will be fine on offense. That They'll be able to compete with Purdue if their defense can, you know, slow them down even emoticon. And do we think they can? Yeah, right, Iowa scored one offensive touchdown the last two weeks. Right, we're so like that's that's what scares me. So yeah, that's bad. You know, uh, I can't get a read on this game, but how's I it, think it's gonna be. Oh, sorry, go Ben. I was gonna say, has anybody looked at the weather? No, I haven't. Um, I'm assuming that what Harrison. City, what has, city is West Lafayette in? West Lafayette. Weather.gov, free, uh, I don't know what you call it, publicity. It's going to be perfect. Partly Sunday with a high. Partly Sunday. Partly sunny with a high near 50. So if that ain't fall football weather, I do not know what is. Honestly, good weather makes me think I was going to lose. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> 
I wasn't expecting you to say that. I was expecting you to say or go the other way with that statement. All right. So, uh, what do you what do you think, Ben? Give me your prediction. Uh, I mean, I do think Purdue might be a little bit overrated. We can shut down a couple playmakers. It's not going to be good. Um, the off. I mean, we probably score fourteen defensive points. So give me give me seventeen ten Iowa. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> There's no that's, way. That's, that's, that's the score. I also didn't expect, I didn't expect that to be your score either. Oh man! Ugh. All right, Harrison. Oh uh, boy, I think it's gonna be like uh, what's a weird score? Twenty-two to twenty, Iowa. And that that's not, that's not even that different than mine. That's five, five more points for Iowa. Oh, <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. I don't know. Like, it feels like it could go. It could either be kind of low scoring like that. I just don't think Purdue gets held to ten points. No, no chance. That's really my, fair, my fair concern fair. with that. Yeah. Um, my main critique of your prediction, which hey, you critiqued mine right back, so I can take it. How about you, Max? 35-17 Boilermakers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, so you're letting uh, Mr. Let's see, Jason B. Miller win the bet of getting up to 17 points instead of 15. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. That's, that's all I have to say about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, basketball meta, Harrison. You guys something to talk about? All right. Basketball minutes. Injuries have struck the Iowa Hawkeyes with CJ Frederick breaking a rib. They had a fake game against Missouri where they lost forty to thirty. Todd Bromelkamp alleges that Bohannon did not play. Bohannon's misspelled, so who knows? Um. But here's the thing. Iowa won, quote-unquote, the final 10 minutes, 19-18. That means they lost the first 10 minutes, I'm assuming 10 minutes, 22-11. to 11. So we have that to look forward to. So it starts as always. Um, what else? Oh, and then just a general critique on these secret scrimmages. They're not fun anymore. They used to be fun. You have to go to like the dark parts of the internet and figure out Who's playing who? But now they're not secret anymore. Oh, Villanova's playing North Carolina. You have Nebraska and Iowa State. No, Wisconsin and Iowa State meeting in Platteville. Are they actually illegal? Like, why is it? Oh, is that why they're secret? Is that why? I mean, they can't be illegal because they're blatantly happening, but, like, why do they keep them secretive? When When I had first heard about them back in college, before I was in college, I thought they were, like, illegal. But now I wish they were illegal. But now there's no way that they are. That wasn't yeah, it's like, a rant out of this. I I just televise them. Like we're gonna have these be secret. Like, if they're gonna a, yeah, if two, yeah, if two big time programs are gonna play each other, it's squeeze some goddamn pennies out of these teenagers. <laughs> goddamn. <laughs> like I just don't like. What's the point of it being a secret if we're just gonna learn everything about it? Oh, Tyler Cook and Macy Daly played well. It's like oh, well, I would like to see that. 
And like, how do we, how do we know he played well? We're going off of Fran and the ball boy. Like, okay. <laughs> and that's the basketball minute. <laughs> All right. Could uh, the Blackhawk uh, Blackheart Gold Pants staff beat the Gray Squad? No. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't put it. I would. Austin Ash. Austin Ash could outscore us like so much. It would be like, <laughs> it would be like fifty to twenty, and it would be Austin Ash. You don't like even know what points. I look like. You don't know what my basketball history is. Yeah, I don't know how tall we all are, but I'm assuming that each and every one of them is taller than us by at least a few inches. Yeah, absolutely. So we can't even out rebound them, you know. We can't. I can. I don't have a jumper. I don't know about y'all. I have a sweet bank shot from fifteen feet, but uh, Christina laughs at me every time I take it. I don't know the last time I touched a basketball. <laughs> Fair. All right. And on that note, um, we'll end things here. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Fuck State.